Martin Luther, the great initiator, I guess you could say, of the Protestant Reformation, he said this concerning baptism. He said, and I quote, there is on earth no greater comfort than baptism, end quote. When Luther was depressed, when he was anxious, when he was afflicted, when he was in distress, when Satan would come at him and say, you dirty, rotten sinner, no way God's going to let you into his heaven. Luther said he would repeat to himself in order to comfort himself, he would say, I am baptized. I am baptized. He wouldn't say, I was baptized. He'd say, I am baptized. Now, obviously, Luther held baptism in high regard. Now, early on in his ministry, he tied it to salvation. So that's holding it in too high of regard. Later in his ministry, of course, he recognized that baptism has nothing to do with saving us. It is not tied directly to salvation. Some people say, I'm saved because I'm baptized. Other people say, I'm saved so I don't have to be baptized. Now, obviously, baptism is extremely important, but what I want us to think about today, uh, are there some who are holding it in too high regard? Uh, Do you view baptism as too important, or do you view it as too unimportant? Is there a healthy balance? Is there a biblical balance when it comes to the ordinance of baptism? So that's what we're going to talk about today, and basically this message is for all of us. It's for those of us who would say, I've been saved, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, I've followed through with believers' baptism, I am baptized. This message is for you. This message is for those of us who would say, well, you know, the question is, am I baptized? I mean, I was was baptized as an infant through sprinkling or pouring, uh, and then I came to faith in Christ later in life, so am I baptized? This message is for you. And for those who would say, you know what, I am not baptized. Either I've not put my faith and trust in Christ alone by grace alone yet, or I've done that and have not followed through with baptism. Either way, I'm not baptized. In other words, this message is for all of us. Amen? Some of us need to be re-educated on baptism. Some of us need to have our baptism relocated on the right side of salvation. And some of us, all of us, need to remember the significance of baptism. And what better place to look than Jesus' baptism. So we're going to unpack the baptism of Jesus. Think about that. The creator of baptism was baptized. Mark chapter 1, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11. We're going to unpack Jesus' baptism. First thing we know, we're going to read these three verses. So I'll read and you follow along. If you don't have a copy of the Word of God... It's there on the screen in front of you. So here we go. Mark chapter 1, verse 9, 10, 11. Look at verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Gracious Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask today that you would soften our hearts, that you would warm our hearts, that you would heat our hearts, that Holy Spirit, you would come and convict us and challenge us 
and move us to a point of decision today. We pray you would encourage us as believers, if we've not yet been so, to surrender to baptism. And if we have, be quick to let people know we are unashamed of Jesus. Father, let this message pierce our hearts. Let the baptism of Jesus be applied to right where every man, woman, boy, and girl are in their walk, either with you or on their journey to you. We ask it in Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. So here's our takeaway for the day. It's pretty simple. It reads this way. Jesus' followers must follow Jesus in baptism. Jesus' followers must follow Jesus in baptism. Part of following Jesus, not all of it, but part of it is following Jesus in baptism, in biblical baptism. And that's what we're going to look at today. And let me say before we dive in and unpack these verses, it's never easy to follow Jesus. Do you know that? It's not easy. I hope you're aware of that. When you proclaim and declare Jesus is Lord, which is what you're doing publicly in baptism, you can expect opposition immediately. Let me prove it to you. After Jesus' baptism, what happened? Immediately, the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. Immediately. So when you proclaim and declare Jesus is Lord, which is what you do when you are baptized, you can expect opposition immediately from the flesh, from the world, from Satan himself. Following Jesus is not safe, but not following Jesus is spiritual suicide. So, part of that is following him in believer's baptism. Now, some of you may have not done that because of ignorance. Maybe you're just unaware of the command to be baptized. Well, today, you can take ignorance off the table. We're going to deal with that today. No one can say, either in person or online today, that I'm ignorant of baptism anymore after the message from Mark 1, 9 through 11 today. Some of you may not have been baptized because of arrogance or pride. Maybe it's indifference. Maybe it's defiance. But today, we are going to hear from the Word of God on the ordinance of baptism in three ways. I'm going to ask three questions. First question is from verse number nine, and here it is. Can we clear up the waters about baptism? Not muddy them up. They're, they're, They're muddied up enough. Can we clear them up? Can we clear up the waters of baptism? Now, I'll be the first to admit that I am totally incapable and unable to clear up What in the world is going on? I don't know about you, but I feel like January of 2021 is the 13th month of 2020. It feels that way. It's like 2020 ended, the year 2020 ended by saying, I'm the craziest, most confusing most convoluted, most out-of-control year in history. And then 2021, the year 2021 began by turning to the year 2020 and saying, hold my mask. You think you were crazy, just check this out. Amen and a women. Amen is a word. 
It means let it be so. A women is not a word. Storming the capital. I mean, what are we doing? There's no way we can clear up what in the world is going on. But we can clear up what in the word is going on in regards to baptism. We can definitely clear that up. And that's what we're going to do today. So look at verse 9. Here it says, in those days. Boy, can you imagine those days. The days that, that, that God, God Almighty, God the Creator, put on a suit of flesh and dwelt among His creation. Can you imagine those days that Jesus walked this earth? In those days, before those days, there were never any days like those days. And since those days, there's never been any more days like those days. And there won't be any days like those days until that day. Until the day Jesus comes again. So the same Jesus that came in those days is the same Jesus that's coming on that day. What a day that will be. So in those days, let's see what happens. Jesus came. Yes, he came. Jesus is coming, the glorious good news of the gospel. God has sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came. And notice where He came from. He came from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, if you'll back up to verse 4 real quickly, you'll see in Mark 1 verse 4, John, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 5, and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him. So think about it. All these prominent people from the prominent place of Jerusalem and Judea, they are coming to be baptized by, G, by John the Baptist. And it's interesting that we're not given one name of one single person who was baptized by John, save one. Jesus. We're given his name. Jesus came from Nazareth. Now, in a Jewish mindset, Nazareth, when they hear the word or the name Nazareth, especially in this day, they would hear nowhere. Now they wouldn't hear that because Jesus is tied to, to Nazareth. But in this day, Jesus, who is Jesus? That's a nobody from nowhere. <laughs> who is this Jesus? And he comes from Nazareth? Nazareth did not have a great reputation. Uh, Nazareth, in fact, that's why Nathaniel, one of Jesus' disciples, he asked the question, can anything good come from Nazareth? And he wasn't being sarcastic. He wasn't being facetious. That was the mindset about Nazareth. It's nowhere. So here's this nobody from nowhere. In fact, Galilee, Nazareth of Galilee, Galilee wasn't any better. Galilee had an even worse reputation. Yet Jesus set up his headquarters in Galilee. In fact, history tells us that the Roman emperor Julian, the apostate, he derided Christ. He... he he called Jesus the Galilean God. That's what he called him. The Galilean God. And he challenged the Galilean God to fight against the mighty Rome. He challenged him to do that. And history tells us that when Julian was dying on the battlefield, this emperor of Rome, he took a handful of his own blood and he threw it up in the air toward heaven. And he cried out, Thou hast conquered, O thou Galilean. I'm so grateful that the Galilean God, Jesus, this nobody 
from nowhere, came to this nobody from nowhere in order to tell other nobodies from nowheres that the Galilean God is now here. Amen? He's here. He has come. And He is coming. And the Bible says He came in Mark 1 verse 9 for a purpose to be baptized by John in the Jordan. Now when I was in seminary, writing in the passive voice, you would get hammered for writing in the passive voice. That is the unpardonable sin in seminary is writing in the passive voice. You write in the active voice, not the passive voice. Well, here, interestingly, Jesus' baptism is communicated to us in the passive voice. It's not that John baptized Jesus. It's Jesus came and was baptized by John. Why? Because John is not the central figure of the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is. Jesus came and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. Although Jesus is the central figure, although the focus of Jesus' baptism is not John the baptizer, but Jesus the baptized, Jesus still surrendered himself. He submitted himself to the Father's will. Remember, John did not want to baptize Jesus. In John 1, John said, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should baptize me. And Jesus said, no, we do this to fulfill all righteousness. Let it be so, Jesus said. So the focus of Jesus' baptism is Jesus himself. In other words, Jesus followed through and was obedient. Philippians tells us he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So baptism is all about an act of obedience. It's not an act of convenience. Some of you have yet to be baptized because it's not been convenient. Baptism is not an act of convenience. It's an act of obedience. Not obedience to the world, but obedience to the creator of the world. Jesus' baptism was an act of obedience to step right in step with the Father's will. Acts 2 says this about baptism. Repent and be baptized every one of you. Not some of you, every one of you. Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them. Luke 6, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? And then John's first letter, 1 John says this, and by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Baptism is a commandment. It's an act of obedience. It's not an act of convenience. God does not negotiate. Believers, baptism is a non-negotiable. God doesn't negotiate treaties. He doesn't make deals. To follow Him, it takes total, utter, unconditional surrender to follow Him. That's what we're called to do. Jesus' followers follow Jesus, and part of that is in baptism. And notice what it says. He was baptized by John, being obedient to the Father's will, being obedient to the Scripture by John. But also this, in the Jordan. What, what, what should we take from the fact that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan? We should take this, that baptism is a public declaration. Jesus wasn't baptized in private. He was baptized in public, very public. In the Jordan with all the country there, all of Judea there, all of Jerusalem there. And Jesus is baptized there. Baptism is a public declaration of an inward faith. 
It's a public declaration of a post-conversion commitment to Christ. That's what it is. You know, when we go to Israel, if, if you'll take a trip with me to Israel, I'd love for you to do that. We are going to take one eventually. We'll take another one. But as we think about that and do that, when we go, I, I will baptize anybody who would like to be baptized in the Jordan River. Why? Because it's cool to be identified with where Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. One of the folks that went with us last trip was baptized. His baptism was very unique. He was baptized in the Jordan, but it was the first time he'd ever been baptized. It was the first time he publicly professed Christ as his Lord through baptism. That's pretty cool. This doesn't mean that you have to go to Israel to be baptized. It means that your baptism needs to be public. In other words, it needs to have an audience. So it's an act of obedience and it requires an audience, public display. In the New Testament, this is how Christians would proclaim their faith in Christ through baptism. It's how they would do that. Very important in the life of a believer, a non-negotiable for believers. So I pray we've cleared up the waters a little bit on the obedience of baptism and its public display being an, a declaration of an inward faith. Here's the second question. I want to take this out of verse 10. So notice verse 10, when he came up out of the water. Now if Jesus came up out of the water, he had to go down into the water, right? So here's the second question. Why must we wade into the waters of baptism? Why baptism by immersion? Why do we have to get fully wet? Why do we have to be submerged? Why do we have to be dipped? Why do we have to be baptized by immersion? That's a great question. Jesus, first of all, he was baptized in that mode. That's the way in which he was baptized. But there's more than just that. Yes, it's the mode the New Testament uses over and over again. The word is baptizo in the Greek. It's the only Greek word used to communicate Christian baptism. And it is by submersion or dipping or becoming fully wet. There's another word for sprinkling and pouring. It's never used for Christian baptism in the New Testament. Only the word for immersion or submerging or sinking. So here's a good question. What if you were baptized as an infant? What should you do? If you were baptized by sprinkling or pouring as an infant, what should you do? Here's the first thing you need to do. You need to be grateful for your parents who thought enough about you and who thought enough about God to devote you to God in that way. You, you ought to be grateful for that. You ought to be grateful that, that you've got parents who feared God in that way. Celebrate that. And the best way to celebrate that is today, take the next step as an adult. If you've come to faith in Christ personally, take that next step. Honor your parents. In no way is it disrespectful for you to be baptized by immersion as an adult. It, 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 that's not disrespectful to your parents if they had you baptized as an infant. In no way is that disrespectful. That is you taking responsibility and, and answering 
that call of devotion that they had on your life as an infant and you saying, yes, I'm unashamed. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to fulfill. I'm going to complete the prayer my parents had for me to follow Jesus. I was baptized as an infant. My grandfather baptized me in the Methodist church. I came to faith in Christ at 21 years of age. And then I followed Jesus in believer's baptism by immersion at the age of 21. That's what I did. That wasn't any disrespect to my grandfather at all. Praise God for parents and grandparents who say, yes, we want to devote our children to the Lord. Praise God for that. But you now, as a personal follower of Jesus, you must follow him in baptism. That's the mode. It's immersion. But what's the meaning of it? Why do we do that? Well, Romans 6 gives us the picture of what baptism is all about. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Right? Burial. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Man, it's a picture being buried with Christ. Your old self dies. It's a picture. Baptism doesn't save anybody. Baptism doesn't save anybody. Salvation does not require baptism. Baptism, however, requires salvation. Okay? So baptism doesn't save. But it's a picture on display of you being buried under the water... Right, And when you raise up, you're being raised with Christ. And when you walk out of the water, you're walking in newness of life. That's the picture. There's no other mode that captures the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross for your sins and mine. He died in your place. He died in my place. He died instead of you. He died instead of me. He satisfied the wrath of God on the cross by pouring and spilling out His blood. You get one drop of the blood of Jesus on you and your sins are washed away completely. You take one little step of faith by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, confessing with your mouth that He is Lord. He will save you just like that. And that baptism is a picture of what inwardly has happened to you. It's, it's, it's the meaning of baptism. It's so important. There is no better picture that you and I could ever display of, bab- of salvation than our baptism. What a way to follow Jesus by following Him in baptism. Why would you not want to follow Jesus in baptism? You know, the picture is glorious. When you go under the water and you come up out of that water, just imagine... The grace of God covering you from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. And think about that grace just washing over you. Think about that when you're coming up out of that water. And God's grace lavishly just dumped and poured out from heaven. And you coming up out of that water and having all of it run down. It's just the grace of Almighty God. What a picture it is. Why would you not want to be... Baptized. Why would you not want to follow Jesus in baptism? Why would you not want to follow him and wade off into those baptismal waters? Why would you not want to follow the only one who was ever qualified to throw stones, but he didn't? 
and the only one who was ever qualified to roll that stone away from the tomb, and he did. Why wouldn't you want to follow him? This is why we wade into the waters. And notice the last part of verse 10. It gets even better here. Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open. The heavens were rendered. They were, they were torn open. It's like, it's like the, the, the father and the son, their connection was so powerful that heavens just were, were ripped apart. It's like heaven and earth, God and man on that day coming together in the person of Jesus Christ and the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on Him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You've got the Trinity showed up at Jesus' baptism. This is how serious baptism is. Jesus took it seriously because he was baptized. But then you've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Everybody shows up. If God takes it so seriously, why don't we? Boy, shouldn't we? Search your heart. Ask the Lord, have have I been baptized? Here's the third question. Who can stir up the baptismal waters? That's a great question. Who can be baptized? According to Scripture, who are the men, women, boys, and girls who can be baptized? How do you qualify to be baptized? Who can stir up the baptismal waters? I'm not asking who can stir up the pot. Man, there's, there's a lot of stirring of the pot out there today, isn't there? People stirring the pot. Even among the church, people are stirring the pot. I was looking at some of the some, some folks I follow on Twitter and some Christian leaders, and, and they're having all these discussions, and they're, some of them are stirring the pot this way, some of them are stirring the pot the other way, and they're just stirring the pot. And the question that I heard this past week is, what is the, big, what, what is the bigger threat to the gospel? Is it, is it the radical, radical left? Is it, is it the, the radical right? What, what is the biggest threat to the gospel? Church, there is no threat to the gospel. Zero threat to the gospel. The gospel can't be stopped. It can't be chained. It, 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 there is no threat to the gospel. It has no threat. And then I hear him stirring the pot about, well, you know, America's so much better than we were this week. Are we really? Aren't we broken sinners? Isn't that who we are? Aren't we broken and in need of a Savior? Oh, yeah, there's a better country, but it ain't America. It's the heavenly one that we're waiting for. And then I hear him stirring the pot about, man, the church needs to stand up. It's time for the church to stand up. You know what it's time for the church to do? It's time for the church to hit her knees. That's what it's time for the church to do. If you want to stand up as the church, you need to get yourself, if you've not been baptized, and stand up in that baptistry and say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. And say, Jesus is Lord. That's what you're doing when you step up in there. You're saying, Jesus is Lord. The government's not Lord. America's not Lord. This leader's not Lord. That leader's not Lord. This king or queen's not Lord. But Jesus is Lord. That's the best way to stand up is to stand up and proclaim the gospel through baptism. Man, if you've not done that, you need to get on board. Verse 11. Everybody's stirring up the pot when we really need to be stirring up these waters. We need to be going and telling to stir up these waters of baptism. And this this is what God 
really impressed on my heart out of verse 11. You've read this a thousand times. You've heard it, read, preached, taught a thousand times. But something became ever so clear to me. I knew this, but the clarity that the Holy Spirit brought to me has really blessed my heart this week. And I want to show this to you in verse 11. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. This verse helped me to see with great clarity the fact that Jesus is not the Son of God because God approved of Him and the Spirit empowered Him. Rather, God approved of Him and the Spirit empowered Him because He was already the Son of God. His baptism doesn't make Jesus the Son of God. Yes, God spoke from heaven, the Father did, and said, You are my beloved Son. But in no way did Jesus' baptism make him the Son of God. He was already the Son of God before his baptism. Just like baptism doesn't make you a child of God, baptism is for those who are already children of God. Baptism didn't make Jesus the Savior. He was already the Savior. Baptism doesn't save. It's for those who have already been saved. So who can be baptized then? Who can stir up those waters? Believers. Men, women, boys, and girls who have come to a personal, into a personal relationship with Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. That's who is qualified to be baptized. Acts says it like this, Acts 8. Philip preaching in Samaria. And the Bible says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Both men and women. Both men and women who believed were baptized. So the qualification to be baptized is belief. Baptism requires belief. That's what it requires. Babies can't believe. They can't. But as we grow up, as we become children and students and teenagers and adults, all through that process, some may believe at a younger age, some may believe at an older age, Believers are the ones who are qualified to be baptized. All through the New Testament, we see those who believe and are baptized. Baptism is for believers. So when should one be baptized? Maybe you have your baptism out of order. Maybe you were baptized at 10, got saved at 20, and you haven't been baptized since you really were saved. And so your baptism is before your salvation. It's out of order. You need to relocate it to the right side of your salvation. It should occur after belief. As soon as you believe, you're to be baptized. As soon as you come to faith in Christ, you're to be baptized. So do you need to relocate that baptism? If you were baptized as a, a, through a pouring or sprinkling, you need to follow that up with immersion. That's what you need to do. and Be baptized as an adult or a student at, through immersion, wherever you are in life. The only unbaptized believer in fact, there is no unbaptized believer in the New Testament save one. Only one. The thief on the cross. But you've got to remember, the thief on the cross, he, he never went to church. He never went to the synagogue. He never heard a, a sermon. He never listened to a rabbi. 
he, he never did anything that, that believers do when we come to faith in Christ and follow Jesus. He, he, he never did any of those things. It was a deathbed confession, a deathbed salvation. So the, baptism for a believer is a non-negotiable. What, what, if I, what if I told you that the, safest, the person named the safest person on the planet spent 267 days in the open seas on a 40-foot sailboat with a pen, a piece of paper, an almanac, and a compass, and that was it. Out on the raging seas, you would think, well, that's not very safe. How is he the safest person on earth? Well, the time he set sail was October 2019. We'd never heard of COVID-19. We'd never heard of social distancing. We never heard of shelter in place or self-quarantine. We never heard of those things. He missed all of that. He missed it all. He was safe from it all. You know, following Jesus is never safe. It's never safe. But you will never be safer than when you're following Jesus. Yeah, there's going to be uncertain seas, and there's going to be this you don't see coming, and that you don't see coming, but I'm telling you, you're never safer than when you're following Jesus. And part of that is following Him in baptism. So I don't know where every one of you are. I know many of your stories, but not all of your stories. So where does your baptism fall in line with your profession of faith in Christ and your salvation? Is it in the right order? Has it occurred? What do you need to do about that? Listen, Jesus was baptized as the I Am. The creator of creation humbled himself and was baptized. Jesus was baptized before he was scarred on the cross. So we, you, regarding baptism, you don't have to be scared. Jesus' baptism was sacred, so we can't do it in secret. We've got to do it in public. Jesus' baptism occurred before his ministry began. Meaning baptism is only the beginning, it's not the end. It's the beginning. Jesus was baptized as the Christ, so we're to be baptized as Christians, little Christ, followers of Him, as we follow Him in baptism. Jesus' baptism was, un was, was universally unique, and all you have to do is ask the Ethiopian eunuch. When he saw that water, he said, what's stopping me from being baptized? That's the attitude we need to have. Not, why should I be baptized? But what's stopping me from being baptized? I'm ready to be baptized. That needs to be our attitude. Jesus' baptism was not forgotten. Just ask us who were forgiven. Jesus' baptism was approved by God. Just ask those approved of God. Jesus' baptism was historic. All you have to do is just look at history. And what I like most about Jesus' baptism, it was the inauguration of the Son of God. Aren't you thankful there's a once-for-all inaugurations and all these other inaugurations are, are, are just fleeting, but there's one that will last forever? And it's the Lord Jesus at His baptism. He was baptized one time so we could follow him for a lifetime. Following Jesus. Man, his baptism happened underwater. So any other mode of baptism, it just simply does not hold water. Biblical baptism, it separates those who are tire kickers from car buyers in the kingdom of heaven. Think about it. Would you marry somebody that wanted to keep the marriage a secret? Of course not. Well, Jesus doesn't want that either. God doesn't want that either. You need to raise the ante on your following Jesus and be baptized. Man, this is a step of faith. This is a step of courage. This is a step of saying, I am not 
ashamed. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your phone. If you're in the room or out of the room, grab your phone. Go to your text messages. And in that number where you send a text to, if you open up a text, it says 2, T-O with a colon, 2. Type in the number 79969. And if you are one of several groups, if you're one who says, you know what, I've put my faith and trust in Christ, and I've not followed that up with baptism, I want you to text us. I want you to text the word water, W-A-T-E-R, water, to 79969. We want to schedule you for a baptism. We want to talk to you about it and get you set up. Now, in two weeks, January 24th, we're having a baptism right here. It's Vision Sunday. I'm going to be sharing about where we're headed as a church. And we're going to baptize some folks. And we welcome you to be one of them. So text the word water to 79969 if you have trusted Christ but yet to be baptized. If you were baptized as an infant and have come to faith later... Take the next step and be baptized by immersion. You need to text us the word water to 79969. If you would say, you know what, I've got my baptism out of order. I was baptized then saved. You need to get it on the right side. That was was Tanya's testimony in her life. She got her baptism on the right side when when we were pastoring. I was pastoring the second church. In Louisiana. So you need to get yours on the right side. Text us the the word water to 79969. We'll get in touch with you. We'll set this up. We'll celebrate with you. We're going to have a huge day on January the 24th. Big vision day. Baptisms. It'll be fantastic. But we need you to participate. So text the the word water to 79969. If you have already trusted Christ, and been baptized. Here's the challenge for baptized believers. Here's your challenge. This week, this week, I'm challenging you to share your baptism testimony with somebody. Go out of your way and tell somebody about your baptism that you've never told before. Share that with them. I'm telling you, we need to not lose the significance of baptism. Does it save us? No, absolutely not. But man, it is an act of obedience. It is a display of the gospel every time you talk about it and share it. So church, that's your challenge. This week, I want you to share your baptismal testimony with somebody you've never shared it with before. And get ready for January 24th as we have this Vision Sunday. And if you have any questions about baptism, any desire to be baptized, text us the word water to 79969. Doesn't matter if you're in the room or not, text us. We want to hear from you.